Welcome to Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, reference, all that good stuff going right into your earbuds. I'm Susan McGuire, Senior Editor for Collection Management and Library Outreach here at Booklist, and I'll be your guide on this journey through all things book and library related. Isn't that soothing? So you may be wondering what makes me qualified to do this, aside from a near crippling case of imposter syndrome. I have been in the public library trenches. I've been doing collection management. I did reference. I've done reader services. I've done circulation. Uh, first at the Kanawha County Public Library in Charleston, West Virginia, and later at the Chapel Hill Public Library in North Carolina. And now here I am at Booklist, the premier source for book reviews that tell you whether or not you need a book on your library shelves. It's a perfect circle. So aside from my complete appropriateness, why are we doing a podcast? Is it just because all the cool kids are doing it? The answer to that question is, I mean, it's, it's partially yes, but also because I'm a fan of podcasts. I can learn, I can be entertained while I'm doing the dumb adulting things I have to do, like fold laundry and commute. It's very convenient, and I know I'm not alone in this appreciation of the medium. And I'm hoping that shelf care will become a good excuse for y'all to get up from your desk, stretch your legs, and not feel guilty about taking a break because listening to a podcast about books and libraries is working, okay? So a podcast is a new way to deliver and expand on the stuff that we cover in Booklist and in our corner shelf and top shelf reference newsletters. We'll be talking to folks in the field about what they're doing that works for them, how that might work for you. We'll be sharing the best of what's being published so you know what to suggest to your patrons and what to be prepared for trend-wise and attention-wise. And we'll be just generally nerding out about reading and the reading experience because, you know, I'm a nerd. Shelf Care is also a really great opportunity for you to meet the folks to make Booklist go, which I'm very excited about. And at the end of each episode, episode? At the end of each episode, I'll chat with one of my coworkers about what they're reading and what they're excited about, and I apologize in advance for what that does to your TBR pile. All right, enough joking around. 100% serious from now on. 100%. Here we go with episode one, and in this episode, we're going to talk about podcasts. Really meta, right? Super meta. First, I'm going to talk to the folks behind the Lawrence Public Library's Book Squad podcast about how they reach readers. Then I'm going to chat with our audio editor, Heather Booth, about making podcast connections in the library. And lastly, I'll talk to a fellow booklist editor about a book that is both hashtag relatable and hashtag enjoyable. Uh, Just for housekeeping purposes, the show notes for each episode will be available at booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care. But before we get into the good stuff, let's hear from some friends. This episode of Shelf Care is sponsored by the HarperCollins Library Marketing Team, aka Library Love Fest. If you're looking for great reading suggestions, author interviews, and behind-the-book insights, check out the Library Love Fest podcast. 
Their latest episode features the team's upcoming favorite reads, as well as an exclusive interview with author Neil Stevenson. Yeah, Neil Stevenson. Talking about his forthcoming book, Fall or Dodge in Hell. Visit soundcloud.com slash librarylovefest slash shelfcare to listen. Thank you, Library Love Fest. Have you thought about starting a podcast in your library? Have you wondered what it takes and what your patrons might say? How can you fit a podcast into your larger reader's advisory efforts? I talked to Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich from the Lawrence Public Library in Kansas about that very topic. Polly is the Reader Services Coordinator and Kate is the Reader Service Assistant. And together, they are the team behind LPL's Book Squad podcast, a bi-monthly podcast that's twice a week, because I know bi-monthly means both. Anyway, bi-monthly podcast that reaches folks in Lawrence and beyond with, as they say, 94% bookish banter and 6% shenanigans. They shared some of that with me. Let's take a listen, shall we? So what is your the origin story of the Book Squad podcast? How did you guys decide to turn your RA efforts toward podcasting? Yeah, um, so when we started the Book Squad, oh, gosh, that's almost, almost five years ago mm-hmm. now. Um, it was just something I, podcasts were really starting to get popular, and it was something that I really thought would be a great way to um, reach folks who maybe don't come into the library that much or commuters or just folks and you know that I really wanted to let know that their librarians wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about books with them like it was a way to personalize ourselves which is what we do through the book squad um so it took us it took a little while to make that happen and then I think when Kate started Mm -hmm. like and we realized I thought that we had some good good rapport we get along okay we get along okay um that and uh, we both were just stubborn enough to make it happen. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> yeah. And so that was about two years ago. Yeah. Um, and two years in October, right? Yeah. 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 Well, so let's talk a little bit about the getting it off the ground part. I mean, so what kind of things did you have to do to get started? Like, did you have buy-in pretty easily from the people you needed to get buy-in from? And what what were some of the hurdles you had to overcome well, um, do you, I, I mean, I'll kind of talk about that. So the hurdle, I mean, I, what I thought the hurdles were anyway, was just, um, it, we're very lucky. We have a, a studio, mm. a recording studio here in our library. So we're very, very lucky, but we actually didn't start here because um, we didn't know anything about doing podcasting (laughs) and we needed somebody who did know about using all of the recording materials and stuff. And I think at that time our studio manager was awesome, but I think they were really working on getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were at capacity getting it off the ground. So, um, audio reader, which is a great program that provides, um, listening materials for people who are visually impaired. Um, they are up on campus at the university of Kansas and, Um, Nick Carswell, who is the um, producer there, saw like he wanted to talk to us about, um, you know, getting some advice about books that his readers could be reading. And we just were having, yeah, we're having a conversation. And I said something about wanting to start a podcast. And he was like, and he has radio experience. um, And so he was really good at writing the scripts and doing Mm -hmm. kind of the more technical 
yeah aspects so in a really lovely irish um accent yes so. Ooh, added bonus yeah know. so he he introduced us and um and so that's how we got off the ground and we did our first i don't how long were we even there maybe it was not, almost a year almost a year we were almost a year with audio reader we would just go up on campus and he'd have everything set up for us and um yeah but in the you know, then it just became sort of a capacity issue where mm-hmm. it just it became tough for him to to juggle that and justify doing that, I think, because there were some budget cuts um, mm-hmm. on campus. And so um, but, but around that time, we got Jim, who has a lovely southern accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only, <laughs> you can only have nice accents if mm-hmm. you work with us. Um, but he he is our, he's our producer here, and he's fantastic. And and he's been um, he just does everything for us. So um, if you were going to ask us about podcast specifics, we might not be as smart. Oh, no, yeah. I just, I just well, I think the prospect the of starting is so intimidating for people that um, just sort of talking about the process and I think having having those local resources community resources I mean you're you know the local high school might have mm-hmm. a recording studio or something that you could partner with and yeah so I think I like that you guys took advantage of folks in the community yeah thinking outside of your library walls is helpful if you don't um happen to have a studio you know which yeah most places don't um but also I, I know of people who just use their own laptop and maybe invest in a good microphone. Um, and uh, and also our administration, we're very lucky, was super was super supportive. Yeah, they really are. That's awesome. Mm. So um, this will be the last probably sort of technical question. Um, how long does it take you to put together and record an episode? It varies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it can do... It usually takes us, I would say, about an hour to, if we're going to really talk about the episode before we re-record it. Which we don't. Because we sometimes do. we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but if, we, if we're really going to talk about it. Because sometimes there are some very specific things that we want to be sure that, that we're talking about. Like, especially if we're talking about a genre mm-hmm. or something where we need to make sure that we're covering mm-hmm. some important information. Um, well, maybe talk about it an hour, sketch mm-hmm. out um, kind of what we're doing and make make the script, like just put some things into the script. It takes us about an hour to record. Mm-hmm. We always try to make them shorter, yeah. but we yeah. never, never do. Um, and then and then Kate, how long does it take you? Kate does the show notes. How long? Does um, it take you? Well, yeah, like listening. Um, I mean, obviously listening takes as long as the podcast episode. But besides that, um, like putting the show notes together and putting it on SoundCloud and making the, the post on our website is uh, an hour. Let's just say an hour. So it's yeah. like a three hour thing for. Yep. About three hours. It could it can take a little longer. Mm-hmm. It can go a little shorter. We just did an episode where we hardly did any show notes for it, mm-hmm. um, and so that was obviously much yeah. much more quick. Much but faster, we do have yeah. yeah we do have to we do listen to it before it goes up just to make sure that we catch <laughs> any hilarious. It, yes, make yes. sure we're hilarious and make sure we catch any weird things. Yeah, tech issues. Occasionally, we've like done some shenanigans in the middle of the podcast and then Jim didn't catch it when he was doing the production. Oh. <laughs> one time the power went out. Or the, yeah. Ooh. One time my phone rang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, life. 
you know. Uh, but also, so Nick Carswell at Audio, Audio Reader, he was the one who came up with our original script because he had a more of an idea of like, this should take five minutes, this should take ten minutes, and we totally have moved to beyond yeah. the time <laughs> constraints. But <laughs> but he's laid he laid out the initial sort of layout for us. Yeah, which is good because he works in radio, so mm-hmm. he kind of knew what would work. Mm. So let's talk about the content. Um, I love the two book minimum. I think it's really fun. And how did you, I guess maybe you sort of already answered this, but how did you land on the format? And um, is it something that's sort of evolved over time? Or did you set out to do like, we're only going to talk about this many books and sort of stick to it? It's so, it's stuck. Pretty close to the original. Yeah, like, we have bookish news, um, which we sometimes um, don't don't do if there's not a whole lot. Of it. But we try to. We always try mm. to have some bookish news, and then we wanted to do kind of like fast back and forth pitches of books um, for a little section, and then kind of dive into a book that we've both read. Um, so, mm-hmm. so at first we were only recording one episode a month Mm -hmm. and so it was pretty easy for us to stick to the two book minimum and then she said she said where we Mm -hmm. both discussed the one book um but when we started recording every other week it got a little harder for Mm -hmm. us to do as she said she said twice a month so that's when we started thinking like oh we would alter the format so one would be our more traditional um you know, bookish news, two book minimum. She said, she said, we can't always be reading, mm-hmm. which we try to talk about what we're doing when we're not reading. You guys don't just read at your desks all day? <laughs> oh, oh, don't tell them, to do. don't tell them the joke. secret of how we Oops, live sorry. our lives. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, we do not get paid. To, like, we really do not get paid to read ever. And no. so... Um, this, everything that we read for this podcast is done on our own times. And so, um, we love you people. Yes. Is what (laughs) we love you. Um, and so that's, so, so we decided the, the alternating format would be something like an interview with somebody Mm -hmm. or to talk about a genre or to talk about just a particular issue having to do with reading. Yeah. Yeah. So where do the topics come from you know how do you how where do you get your inspiration for your conversations um well we talk a lot uh yeah. and eventually good things come <laughs> we, we just do it's called spitballing yeah we're in, like hey, what in the we industry mm-hmm. in the industry that's what we go with. Uh, i think that's you know a lot of it we do have i guess maybe we could add that to our you know, occasionally we'll have a sit down mm-hmm. that's an an hour or so, and um, we'll just say, "All right, let's plan out a number of episodes." And just some varying, just yeah. And I, because I really like to plan things out, and Kate really likes to throw them away mm-hmm. when we get <laughs> to the end of planning it out. So, but we try. Um, but it's just stuff like you know, what book should we be reading? Mm-hmm. For each, like, we'll kind of plan out some books we want to read for future episodes. We'll plan out some discussion things. Um, sometimes we can decide who we want to interview. Mm-hmm. And some interviews, like Dara Horn oh, just came to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we pick stuff that we are interested in. Like, mm-hmm. um, neither of us, like at one of our more recent episodes, neither of us 
read westerns often and so mm-hmm. we were like well let's just like learn about it on on air yeah. mostly <laughs> so like kind of show that um even quote unquote like book experts um don't know everything and you know that we're always learning and and it's okay and and really fun to be like uh what's this new what's this new thing that I'm I right like learn like we can learn together <laughs> right yeah I mean I that's to me I I mean we I guess we are experts but like I don't I mean, like paid to talk about books but right what, but I we don't... still have like lots <laughs> yeah. of I don't, I don't want the idea of expert to no. put, build a wall between us and a reader. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. to me, I want to be thought of more as like, you're what's my title. I'm a biblio Sherpa. Yes. Like I just, Dude. I'm leading you around and yes. I, you know, um, and we find things together. And one, so, another episode was about what you do when you are in a reading slump because we just mm-hmm. realized that we both had been recently. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a thing that pe- people, when they, when they tell me, like they'll come in and be like, Oh man, I haven't been able to read. And they seem very ashamed. And I'm like, Oh dude, been there, been there. Like, right. yeah. So yeah, kind of uh, just making reading and not reading more approachable and accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. So to that end, I guess, what kind of feedback have you gotten from people? Do you know if it's mostly your regular patrons who listen or have you brought new people into the fold or what What kind of response have you gotten? Um, we've gotten some really, really, really sweet um, uh, reviews on like on iTunes and those are they use pseudonyms. So we don't know who they are. Oh, right. Uh, and so it's hard to know. I think one of them mentioned that they do live in Lawrence and maybe one of them mentioned that they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I get, we've been approached by people just random places yeah. just saying, <laughs> oh, I listen to the library podcast. And I'm like, oh, hello, stranger. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They so, just hear your voice and they know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, or, or folks come, it's funny that, you know, well, folk will be at the desk and, some folks will come up and just say, oh, I love the last episode or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you, yeah, you listen to it, right. I guess. And it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm expecting, but it was not somebody I expected would, would listen to yeah, the podcast. Very surprising. Um, And so it was, I don't know. It was, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. You can look, we can look at our stats and we can see that we've got people from all around the oh, world gosh. who are listening mm-hmm. i like the mystery <laughs> of who might be listening well yeah, we've had board members come up like from the library board and who i we don't really interact with on a regular basis as staff but um and have said oh i subscribe to your podcast and and that's real that's really neat because it's um showing that they are you know invested in what we're doing right and that's yeah i really appreciate that mm-hmm. so if folks who are listening to this podcast want to find the book squad podcast how can they do that um well you'll go to lplks.org which is for lawrence public library kansas um and we there's a little square if you scroll down that's going to be the book squad and so we usually have um our latest episode uh right there in that carousel um and uh, you can also just go to the Book Squad page there and uh, find the podcast on the on the sidebar. Mm-hmm. Cool. And probably any any of their podcasts. Oh uh, yeah, apps yes. and stuff. Yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah, you can search on iTunes for Book Squad podcast. Yeah, and I listen on Stitcher, so mm-hmm. that's where I 
That's where I get all mine from. So we're there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think we're on everything. I think Maybe. we're on everything. Okay. Well, uh, Polly, Kate, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank, thank you. you. Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decimal Podcast. No, 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 wait. This is an ad for the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Join me and the Dewey Decimal Correspondents each month for conversations with authors, librarians, scholars, and more about topics from the library world and beyond. Past guest Sally Field, Bill Knight of Science Guy, Kwame Alexander, Margaret Atwood, Stephanie Powell Watts, Viet Tan Nguyen, Brad Meltzer, Rick Steves, Ken Burns, Michael Eric Dyson, and many more have joined us to talk about everything from books and writing to library architecture and design. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Dewey Decibel Podcast. Thanks for listening. Launching a podcast is one thing, but even if that isn't in the cards for you and your library, you don't have to eschew all hopes. Is that how you say that word? Suddenly, I'm not sure. Anyway, you don't have to give up all hopes of a library podcast connection. Our audio editor, Heather Booth, is both a podcast listener and the head of youth and teen services at the Thomas Ford Memorial Library in Western Springs, Illinois. And she and I sat down to talk about what she likes to listen to how she harnesses the power and popularity of podcasts to promote audiobooks. It doesn't involve quite that much alliteration. Hi, Heather. Hello. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. In this um, studio Very called my office. Studio. Very Guys, high tech. <laughs> um, so you're the audio editor, which means you manage our audiobook coverage, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But right now we're talking about podcasts. So can you tell me a little bit about your podcast listening experience? Do you love them? Yes. Do you love? Yeah, I, I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to kind of alternate between audiobooks and podcasts. Um, I think podcasts are, are great for breaking up a really, if you've been listening to a really long audiobook, it's great to listen to some shorter podcasts. I'm a big podcast fan. Um, I love uh, My Favorite Murder. Yay. Um, that's one of my favorites. I also like um, things that have nothing to do with books or anything like that. I really enjoy uh, Song Exploder, which is about music and deconstructing various artists' work. Um, I like advice podcasts. I'm a big fan of uh, the Savage Lovecast. I think that's great fun to listen to, (laughs) not around the children. But but yeah, I think they're great. I I think that there's such a wide variety of podcasts. I I enjoy uh, things like Serial. They're long form and continue on for a long time. And also the one-off kind of quicker stories that you can listen to in podcasts. Yeah. Do you, have you thought about like what appeals to you about podcasts that's different about audiobooks? I think there's something very immediate about a podcast and it feels like an intimate connection that you have with the podcaster. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of back and forth and just the way that podcasters will often be responsive on social media. Uh, I think that's a a great thing. And also you can see it with some of them, you know, you can see it or hear it happening in real time. So here's what happened Mm -hmm. this week. Here's what happened the next week, which is nice. Um, It's not a static uh, set recording yeah like an audiobook is <laughs> um 
So, like I said, you uh, work with uh, teens and tweens, and I imagine also adults mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep. Um, what have you noticed about patrons in Western Springs and their podcast listening habits? Well, we have a lot. We're a commuter community. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of people who are commuting back and forth. And so there's, I think, a lot of people who are listening to audio, whether it's podcasts or audio audiobooks, on their commute. Um, I definitely think that the... Uh, the news tie-in types of podcasts are popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a great way to um, select your news and consume it without having advertisements and things like that. So I think that that is a that's a big popular one. And um, I have had a number of conversations about my favorite murder yes. with uh, patrons, especially in the spring when the um, you know I'll be gone in the dark was published and the whole oh, thing right. about um, the Golden State Killer being apprehended and. Whatnot. So that's that 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 brought up a lot of conversations. That was kind of big news for yeah. podcasts. All the mur- murderinos came yeah. out of the woodwork. They did, yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's great when you can make that connection at the library, right? Um, which sort of leads into the next question. It seems like um, podcasts, because it's an audio medium, that that would be a natural gateway drug, <laughs> so to speak, to getting patrons interested in audiobooks. So have you had success um, matching or introducing audiobooks to podcast listeners? Or? Yes. Uh, and I think that the apps that are now available for listening to audiobooks make that a lot easier. People, I think, still have the idea that audiobooks are only on CDs or even tapes that they haven't. Yes, they I have, love when people call them books on tape. It right. makes me happy. Yeah, they, <laughs> haven't, um, they haven't experienced them recently. And so to know that it's as easy to listen to an audiobook as it is to listen to a podcast the steps are very similar. I think that's very helpful. I think a lot of podcast listeners come into the library realizing that they enjoy consuming information that way, and it's a great way to expose them to other, um, in particular, in other nonfiction yeah. topics on audio, um, especially if you've got somebody who has, it's like we're all very busy, um, somebody who can educate themselves on a topic that they're interested in, but they're not going to sit down with a book and read it. Right. But they were curious about it when they heard about it on a podcast. They can read a whole book on it, you know, through their ears. Yeah, they can consume it the same way they consumed the initial thing. Mm -hmm. And you can't read when you're driving. Please don't do that. (laughs) So is that kind of how you try to pitch audiobooks to podcast listeners? Or is there something unique about the way that you might do audiobook advisory for podcast people? I I don't know that there's any, I mean, it's it's really, I think, a lot the same. What is it that you, you enjoy about listening to mm-hmm. podcasts in general, or that podcast in particular? And is it that it's really a lot of information that's easy to digest because of the delivery of it? Is it funny and conversational? Is it that it's broken up into 20-minute segments? Um, just trying to figure what those appeals are and then matching it to the audiobooks that you have and knowing what's in your collection and being able to kind of work on that. I have found, too, that other people just knowing that audiobooks are available to download, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. Once they know that, they're off and running. Yeah. So that's that's been a good thing. I've also gone in the other direction where I've talked to people who are big audiobook listeners and said, oh, if you're interested in this... There are some podcasts that you might be interested in well as well. Um, we were talking to a teenager who was super into 
books that just have lots of interesting detail, lots of novel content. Just she like reading trivia and things mm-hmm. like that. And I said, this is a, the kind of thing that would be great for you to you know browse around and these like things you sh- things you should know. Yeah, that those kinds of podcasts, just interesting little tidbit kinds of things. So yeah, and she hadn't heard a podcast at that point. Oh, all right. So before I let you go. I wanted to know if you have any sort of sure bets or favorites or, you know, audiobooks when somebody's sort of waffling on an audiobook, if you're like, this one will work for you. Something I like to do when someone's not sure about audiobooks, and this isn't exactly your question, but I feel like this is a helpful thing. Um, something I like to do is find a collection, oh, yeah. on, uh, some kind of a collection on audio, and that's going to give them a lot of different people's voices. Um, and they can kind of hear what different, you know, what different readers sound like. Yeah, because that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so um, one of my favorites to hand to people is the, um, the, the Brothers Grimm stories that came out a couple of years oh. ago. I think, by Pen- I think it was a Penguin Random House title. Mm-hmm. But it has all of the heavy hitters. You've got um, just, it's an amazing cast list of people reading these Grimm fairy tales, which... It's marketed as a as a youth title, but it was too scary for my kids. <laughs> so, yeah, those are grim yeah, stories. Yeah, they are grim mm. stories. That's a great one. Um, but anytime you can get any kind of collection, and there are short story collections, there are fairy tale collections, there are nonfiction essay collections mm-hmm. read by a wide cast. Any kind of full cast um, recording like that, I think, is a great way to get people listening. Because if they don't like the one, they can skip to the next. Right. We've all had the experience of starting to listen to something and realizing that that's just not a voice that we yeah. want to sit with for a yeah. few hours. For 10 hours or yeah. 26 hours. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's my that's my trick when people are not sure if they want to delve into audiobooks is to start them with a collection like that where there's very little commitment to any to, to a story because it's lots of stories. Right. I like that. And, you know, that really sort of um, emphasizes the idea that it's as much about the reader as it is about the content. And I think maybe people don't think about that if they haven't listened to audiobooks a lot. For sure. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much for chatting. I'm sure we will be talking more in the future, Um, but I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, Shelf Care listeners. This is Booklist Audio Editor Heather Booth. I just wanted to update you on a newish feature of particular interest to podcast fans in the audio review section of Booklist. The podcast connection is an occasional feature that will connect a few audiobooks to your listeners of podcasts. So sometimes there'll be books by podcasters, and sometimes there'll be audiobooks that are particularly appealing to podcast listeners because of their conversational tone, or their interesting use of sound and editing, or a connection to a podcast that's trending. Two recent favorites of mine from this section are Sadie by Courtney Summers, which is a true crime adjacent YA fiction title that features a podcast and a podcaster in the story and has an accompanying podcast produced by Macmillan. Another is Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally's The Greatest Love Story Ever Told on Penguin Audio, which began as a conversation, was transcribed into print, and then re-recorded by the couple. Both are star reviews and are highly recommended. This is Heather Booth signing off and saying thanks for listening to Shelf Care, and be sure to check out the podcast connection in the audio review section of Booklist. Heather. Thank you, Heather. Also, podcast connection is really interesting and useful, which, frankly, are hashtag goals. All right, here we are. Here we are at the point in the show 
where I talk to a fellow booklister about, wait for it, books. I'm not even going to introduce it more than that, although I will add an addendum because I can't not talk. Um, Annie and I talked about a book and then we had a whole bunch of other read-alikes that we didn't have time to fully address, so you can find those listed in the show notes at booklistonline.com shelf hyphen care. Hi, I'm here with Annie Bostrom, who is the Associate Editor for Adult Books here at Booklist. I'm ready. All right, what are you reading? Uh, I just read Queenie by Candace Carty-Williams. It's a debut novel from Scout Press from Simon & Schuster. So what made you compelled to talk about it? Queenie is is the narrator of her story. She's 25, and she's just... She's kind of in a bad place at the start, and she sort of unravels a lot more during the story but I wanted to talk about it I think because it just there I just haven't read anything like it in a really long time and um, particularly I was struck by how many difficult topics the book touches on without um, feeling heavy and it's just so it so accessibly addresses a lot of things but like you're not even thinking about that because you're just having fun with the story and wanting to know what happens to Queenie and enjoying spending time with her. I love a book that can give me some substance, but like not feel like I'm reading something substantive. Yeah. Right. And this does that so beautifully. And like one, one example of that is, so Queenie's having just cross the board bad time. And at some point she creates a text thread with her three best friends, but they don't all know each other. Like some of them have met, Um, but it's just, it just like becomes her like subconscious sounding board. And because she's queenie, she names the thread, the corgis. (laughs) Yeah. But like, they're talking about really serious things and there's like big fights that happen and like a lot of like, not at all funny stuff, but like, it's all under this like very kind of cozy name tag. Yeah. And cause she's funny mm-hmm. right she's she funny. delivers it she's funny that the friends are all just like very different personalities and so they you know create their little fights and friendships within that and yeah it's really yeah. fun so let's talk a little bit more about queenie because it seems like she's the, the, main the biggest of the book well she's the main queenie. character and also maybe the the biggest draw she is okay so queenie um i think i said at the beginning that she was she's just been asked to move out by her boyfriend she also has an estranged relationship with her mom which is something that you don't really understand the full extent of until the end of the book um i like that kind of storytelling style i know it doesn't please everybody but i like it there'll be like moments of flashback um and you understand that queenie's dealing with some um anxiety and panic and stress and you learn about the source of that so you know, skip a few steps. Queenie needs a place to live, and she can't with her boyfriend, doesn't have a relationship with her mom, and so she moves in with her grandparents, and Queenie's, Queenie's Jamaican-British. Her grandparents are very traditional, um, but one really, like, interesting thing that, again, is that this, like, sly exploration of deeper issues is when Queenie realizes that she really needs some serious help that her panic is really not manageable 
um, and she needs to seek counseling. There's like a lot of stigma within her family and the idea that it's like not really accepted in her community. And so she explores that a lot and how her grandparents react to that kind of like, what is mental health? Like, why mm-hmm. do you need this? Um, like the, the idea that maybe she's like too weak to deal with it on her own. Yeah. And that brings up like really meaningful conversations. Yeah. So who do you see yourself suggesting this book to? So I think that this book is for all kinds of readers from like casual, you know, five book a year people like need my next vacation book. Mm -hmm. I think um, it would be like such a pleasant reading experience for that. Also, the uh, there's definitely that like self-deprecating British humor aspect that I really love. And so anyone who, you know, is remembering how they felt about Bridget Jones in the 90s, I think would be like yeah. really happy to meet Queenie. Bridget Jones is sometimes like shorthand for a certain kind of book, and it is not always accurately deployed. Yeah, right, right. But this but time it, you mean it. Well, I definitely mean it, and I definitely mean the idea of like or the, the legacy of Bridget Jones. Yeah. Um, just like uh, somebody who's like so lovably like dealing with a mess mm-hmm. and um, just really like I think it sounds cliche but I think there are narrators that you love to spend time with and Queenie is one of them yeah all right so tell me again the book and when it comes out the book is Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams coming out from Scout Press in March March 19th March so pretty soon pretty soon Thanks, Annie. Thanks, Susan. Look forward to talking to you again. Me too. That's a wrap on the first episode of Booklist Shelf Care. Great news. There's going to be more. You can subscribe in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. You'll find the show notes for this and all episodes at booklistonline.com shelf hyphen care. Thank you so much to HarperCollins Library Love Fest for sponsoring this episode. And if you have feedback or suggestions or want to tell me how great I am at podcasting, send me an email at smaguire, that's M-A-G-U-I-R-E, at ALA.org. Until next time, I'm Susan McGuire signing off from Booklist HQ, and this was Booklist Shelf Care. Happy reading! Happy reading!